We would like to welcome you this morning to Mission Bible Fellowship as Pastor Stuart Guthrie brings a message from God's Word. We hope it challenges, encourages, and strengthens your walk with the Lord. Father, Lord, we thank you for your Word and its truths. We thank you for the blessing of being able to come and to worship freely in America. God, there's so many people today that are suffering for the sake of Christ and their relationship with you. And, and Lord, we have the ability to come here freely without fear of persecution in at least that fashion, Lord. And we are grateful for that. We pray for those who are being persecuted. Pastor Saeed, and he is locked up in prison for his faith right now. And God, we just continue to pray for him. We continue to pray that you would uh, change the hearts of the people there. And we ask that you give him strength. Lord, we know that to suffer is to suffer with Christ. And we consider all things joy. And Lord, I know that's a difficult time for him. And we just pray for him and his strength and his trust in you. And this morning as we open your word, God, I pray you fill me and empower me with the Holy Spirit. That you open the eyes of your people to hear the truth of your word, to, to give them ears to hear. And God, for, I know there's nothing I can do in my own ability, nothing I can say in my own words that would convince a man or a woman that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so this morning we ask that you sovereignly oversee this message and that you would intercede on the behalf, um, Lord, of their lives so that they might see Jesus for who he really is. We ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, we are now approaching the final two sections of the book of Second Peter. This week and next week we'll wrap it up. And Second Peter was written, if you remember, to believers during that time and during our time as well. And he has not really taken it easy on these false teachers that we've seen him point out their heresies, their false teachings. And we've seen clearly why he's done that. As a, as a guard, as a, a trumpet man that sounds when, when the warnings are out that there's an enemy coming, this is what Peter's done over the last two chapters. And we've seen him instructing what, what false teachers look like and why we should stay away from them. And we've seen the evil that these teachers, these false pseudo-Christians, these fake Christians bring into the church of God. And so we see that the result also of those that have been preyed on. You know, this week as I was looking on the internet, I saw a, a post of a, of a pastor that had sexual relations with a 17-year-old girl in the congregation and it was a perfect picture of what Peter talked about, these false teachers indulging in their fleshly lust and their sensualities. And so it's happening in our day. In churches all across America, we see false teachers springing up. But we're warned to watch out for them, for they prey on the innocent people. And Peter says they are springs without water, dried wells that are empty. And so today we're going to move from the illusions that these false teachers bring about and we're going to begin into a new journey of these false teachers as we see their mocking. These pseudo-Christians mock towards Jesus Christ in His second coming. And so in the outline that we've been building, if you remember, 
We started with uh, last several weeks ago, avoiding false teachings by understanding false teachers. And so we went through the sermons that uh, wanted us to understand false teachers through their destructive heresies. We wanted to see their destructive judgments. How could we pick out these false teachings and these teachers by their destructive judgments that will come about in the end times? And then we want to understand false teachers and their destructive characteristics, what they look like. And then last week we looked at the destructive illusions that they portrayed in their persons, in their professions, as they claimed to be Christians, but truly they were inwardly empty from any spiritual thing. And so now as we embark in chapter 3, we want to look at avoiding false teachings by understanding our future. Our future What's coming? What is to happen? And so today we want to understand our future will protect against these mockers. We will see that mockers, scoffers, and scorners are to increase in the last of the last days. There will come a time when when they will find an increase in the mocking in which we see happening even in our day in the second coming of Christ. And Peter wants us to understand and be prepared to encounter these types of people. And so if you will this morning turn with me <clears throat> to the book of Second Peter. We'll be looking at chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. If you don't have your Bible, I encourage you to bring one with you. Follow along. You'll get a lot more out of the sermon, but there's slides for those that do not have them. Second Peter chapter 3 says this, This now, beloved, the second letter I am writing to you in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by the apostles. Know this, first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it were from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by His word, the present Heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice. Beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about His promises, some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing any to perish, but for all to come to repentance." But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heaven will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. There are a few things that I want to gather from this text this morning that I think will help us as we look at this passage verse by verse. Three things we clearly see these in these ten verses is number one, We are reminded by Peter of the past. 
Secondly, we are instructed by Peter for the present. And thirdly, we are warned by Peter about the future. We are reminded, we're instructed, we are warned about the past, the present, and the future. Let us begin this morning by looking at number one. We're reminded by Peter of the past. Peter is a good teacher. And he knows and understands that sometimes in in order to understand the present, we must look back into the past. And we need to think about those things as we study this. He says, this now, beloved, this is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you, which I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by the Apostle. He states that this is the second letter in which he has written to these beloved Christian people. It's the second book that he's written. We believe the first book was 1 Peter, the book of 1 Peter. And then just like in that first book, this second book also was written to both Christians. And they were to stir them up by way of reminder. Now, while these letters were written to the church, to the Christians, to God's elect, I don't want those here this morning that may not have known Jesus Christ personally to feel like there's nothing that can be said to me because I'm not a Christian. No, much of what we are going to talk about today should encourage each one of us to listen and to hear what's really going to happen in the last of the last days. And so like any good teacher, though it presumes you already know these things as believers, he's bringing it up by way of reminder and he's going to teach us these things again. And so we need to hear and be prepared to stand against these scoffers that we will find out that will come in the last days. If you've noticed, uh, we are in those days. Mockers are coming. Uh, they are here, and they will increase as they mock Christians in their belief that Jesus Christ will literally come back, that He will bring about His second coming. And Peter will bring this to light much as we get into more today. And so he says, This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you, which I'm stirring you by way of reminder. If you remember when we looked before... <coughs> as he said he wanted to remind us as we looked at the repetitive teachings of Peter. This word, by way of reminder, I want to stir you up, means to arouse your thinking, to to stimulate your ability to think clearly, to think wisely. Peter's like, hey, you know these things, you already know them, so use your mind so that you can think with pure thoughts. And already Peter has a purpose for stimulating our thinking. He has a purpose for reminding us, as he says, that we should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by the apostles. Jude says it in this way there in verse 17. He says, But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jude in 2 Peter, we've seen, has been a great parallel within these books. But Peter is wanting to jog our memory of the words that were spoken beforehand 
the predictions that were brought about by the holy prophets, those prior to this time. Don't miss here that Peter is making a distinction between holy prophets and unholy prophets. True teachers and false teachers. Unholy, unstable, Fake Christians, unrealistic expectations, empty wells, pseudo-prophetes. These were false teachers, false prophets. And he's making a distinction. As we saw there in chapter 2, verse 1, Peter says he wants to remind us what these devoted people who spoke messages from God, what is he talking about? What are the words that were spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the apostles? Well, it's referring back to those Old Testament prophets. And Peter wants his readers to start recalling those things that the prophets said back then so that we can have hope for today. He's talking about the coming of Messiah. And those Old Testament prophets said He was coming and He came. And now in the New Testament apostles are saying He's coming back and we hope and we pray that it will be soon. But God in His great patience is waiting. He's coming back. And just like then they made a prediction He's coming and just like now when the apostles made a prediction that the second coming of Christ would take place, that He would burst through those clouds and He would rapture His church, He will come back just as it's recalled. If you recall there in the book of Acts chapter 3 verse 18, Peter had just healed a lame man. He's now walking. He really gives them a hard time about the crucifixion of Christ and how in their ignorance they hung this man, Jesus Christ, on the cross. And he goes on to say here in verse 18, he says, but these things which God announced before by the mouth of all of the prophets, you see, that Christ would suffer, He has thus fulfilled. You see what he's saying is, listen, these prophets predicted before that Christ would come, that Christ would suffer, and all of these things took place. And so then he goes, therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshment may come from the presence of the Lord and yet He may send Jesus the Christ appointed. He may send Jesus the Christ appointed again in the future, the second coming, whom heaven has received until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of His holy prophet of ancient times. Peter wants us to be reminded that when God speaks through His holy prophets, that truth comes about. That when He says something will take place, it unfolds exactly how He says it will. And these things will come to pass as predicted and we need to know this. Peter's like, know in the past these things have taken place. These things have been predicted. And so we are reminded by Peter of the past so that we can be prepared for the present. You see, when we understand that the past has been accomplished. The prophets said Jesus would come, and He did. And now the apostles are saying He's coming back, and we hope and pray again sooner than later that He will. We know He's coming. We don't know when. 
But He's coming back again and He will. And so we need to be reminded of the past so that we can be prepared for the present. John 14, 6, if you remember, Jesus Himself even says, Hey, I'm coming back. He says, if I go away, I will come again and receive you to Myself. That where I am, there you may be also. There in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2, Paul said, For you yourselves know fully well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Paul's expecting this second coming of Christ. Matthew 6.27 says, For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of His Father with His angels and will then repay every man according to his own deeds. We need to be reminded of the past for the sake of the present. You see, if we think back in our current state, and we look back to those prophets when they said, Jesus Christ will return. He's coming. And He did come. And now we have these apostles saying He's coming back. We better be prepared to be looking up because He's going to come at some point. We are reminded by Peter of the past. The predictions that were made. But also, secondly, we are introduced, instructed by Peter for the present. <clears throat> Peter shifts his thinking here. And Peter's going to make it clear that we will encounter these mockers, these scoffers, these scorners in our day, and that they will belittle the Christian hope of Jesus Christ returning. Peter says, Know this first of all, in the last days mockers will come in their mocking, following after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. So what we see here is that we, we now move from, this, from one stage to the other. We, we remember, we're reminded of the stage of the past, and now we're moving to the stage of the present. And he starts out with this, know this first of all. And what is Peter wanting us to get? He's wanting us to get that mockers are coming. Mockers are coming. Mockers are here in our day. And in the last day, we will see more and more. And the last day refers to the, the time when Jesus Christ left and when He's coming back. And sometime in between there, we will begin to see mockers. And we've seen that in our day and it will simply increase. And so we believe that the second physical, actual return of Jesus Christ will take place. And these mockers are there mocking because they are following after their own lust. One translation says that they follow after their own sinful desires. You know, of course they're mocking. They can't have a return of Christ to judge the living and the dead. I mean, do you understand what kind of wrench that throws into their lifestyle? So they scoff, they scorn, but let it be warned that the past helps us understand the present. It was said in the past that Jesus was coming and He came, but they still mock today, hoping for the best for the fake Christians that they could just keep on living in their own fleshly lust and not repent. You know, as I thought about this, I thought, you ever wonder why people mocked Christians? Well, think about it. Do you remember when you were in grade school? Some of y'all, that was a long time ago. For some of us, it wasn't that long ago. 
But if you remember in grade school, if at least for, I can only speak for my, myself, okay? I wasn't the nicest student in, in grade school. But do you remember, I'm sure some of you were pretty wild too. Do you remember when the teacher would leave the room? Yeah, smiles. Because you remember, it was like party time. We would get up and we'd dance around and do a little jig and act crazy and act all foolish. Because the teacher had left the room. She said, I'll be right back. But the celebration, the partying that we did was what? It was limited. I mean, you wouldn't get up and run all the way across the classroom because if the teacher would come in, you'd be standing there like, okay, what was I doing? So we would party right by our desk and when the teacher would come in, we'd sit down. You see, what happens when mockers mock that Jesus Christ is not coming back, what they said is the teacher has left the classroom and they're not going to return so we can just keep living in any lifestyle that we choose. We can keep right on sinning. We can keep right on living in our lustful, sinful desires because the teacher's not coming back. That's what mockers want. They want to think that the teacher's not returning. So they can continue in their sinful thinking. He isn't coming back, they claim. And they want each one of you and me to buy into that heresy. Because nobody likes to party alone. And neither does the devil. And so if he can draw you from thinking that Christ is coming back, he can prolong your decision in accepting Jesus Christ, number one. And secondly... It can prolong us to live in our sinful state, even as Christians. Because I don't know about you, but as as Christians, I struggle with things every day. But if I'm in the middle of my struggle and I think the teacher could come back in the classroom in any minute, it's going to limit me to what I do. But not them. They want it to be known that the teacher has left the building. Everything they say looks the same. Nothing's changed since the creation of the world. They claim that God is not involved. He's not existent. And so Peter continues, for they will maintain this. It escapes their notice that by the Word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water by water through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. You don't think God is involved? You don't think God has changed things since the creation of the world? You know, I love the King James Version here. And I know Rob's over there smiling because he knows he likes it too. It says this in the beginning of verse 5, For this they willingly are ignorant. Look, they can hide, they can put their heads in the sand and be willingly ignorant of the fact that Jesus Christ is still very much involved in this world, in this creation, in the lives of His people. And it says it escapes their notice. By the Word of God the heavens existed long ago. God spoke with all of His power. He created the earth with His voice, with His Word. Something from nothing He made it. And the earth was formed out of water by water, which through the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. Do you understand this morning that God flooded the earth? And we want to claim that God's not involved in our at since creation? 
He destroyed every single human being but eight people that He delivered. Sound like that's not an act of God? How about Lot and Sodom as God burned that city to ashes? Sound like a God that's not active? How about Jesus Christ being predicted that He would come and be born of a virgin? And He was born of a virgin. And that He would die, that He would suffer for mankind, and He did. And then when He died and He was buried, God, the active God that's involved, raised Him from the dead that we might have life. They are willingly ignorant. In the terms of a Christian brother, they are dumb on purpose. Scoffers will scoff, mockers will mock, scorners will scorn, but Jesus, listen, says He's coming back. And just like in the past He came, and so it will be in the future. And so we need to be aware of the present just like the times of the past. See, because now we're in the present. In years from now, we will be in the past. The, the apostles are in the past. They said He's coming. And when He comes, everything will be just like it's supposed to be. We are reminded by Peter of the past. We are instructed by Peter for the present. And lastly, we are warned by Peter for the future. Peter will make it clear that the King is coming. But only in his time will He come. Peter says, but by His Word... The present heaven and earth are being reserved for fire kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. The same Word that was there in creation, the same Word that created the worldwide flood is the same Word from the same God that will reserve this earth to be kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly men. Here's another verse for you to put in your notes which points to the destruction of these pseudo-Christians, these false teachers, these mockers of God. We looked at six of them already last week. But here's another one to add, that this judgment that God says will come about, will come about. They can hide, they can be willingly ignorant, But the judgment will take place and unfold as Christ has predicted, as the apostles had predicted, as the holy prophets from old have predicted. And therefore, we need to to tell people to repent and turn to God. For judgment is coming. And to return so that their sins may be wiped away, that they might be seen as holy and righteous before the Almighty God who is perfect, who cannot stand before sin, in order that in their lives they can experience the peace, so that they can be seen righteous before God, that they might be refreshed in this life. And they need to stop trying to run from God as if God isn't coming. We know the past. It's unfolded, it's predicted, and it happened. And we've been instructed about the present, and now we must prepare for the future. Not one soul here today knows the day or the hour when Jesus Christ will come back or when you will step into eternity. And I want to ask you the question, do you know that you know that you know that you know that if the Lord were to come back today or you were to go meet Him, that you would be led into the kingdom of God. 
And only you can answer that from the deepest part of your soul is to know that you know that you know that if Jesus Christ burst through those clouds right now, that I would inherit the kingdom of God. This earth is being prepared for judgment. It's being prepared for fire. And if you are not found in Jesus Christ, then you will become a part of that judgment. Now, I don't want to get all distracted about Jesus Christ and that He hasn't come back yet. Because I don't know about you, He's made the promise, and I believe His promise. But really, we should be praising God that He hasn't come back. You know, we say we want Jesus to come back. If this Bible is true, do we really? want Jesus to come back. Because if He comes back, that means a lot of people won't make it. A lot of people won't inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, we'll all live for eternity. But some in the presence of God and some separated from God. I have dear friends that have never come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so I'm very grateful that He hasn't come back. I have family members that still to the day reject Jesus Christ. And I know you know many people who are not of the faith. Some of you are even married to people who are not of the faith. Do we really want Jesus to come back right now? Because if it's true, there are many who won't make it. And so let us not get distracted about what's taking God so long. But praise God for His patience. We don't want to think God has failed us. God is an awesome, passion, passionate, compassionate, loving God that has patience like none other. And He hasn't forgotten His promise, of course. He will return. Verse 8 says, But let no one, let it, this one fact escape your notice. Don't let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord a thousand, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about His promises, some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Don't let the fact escape your notice, brothers and sisters, that God does not work off of our world clock. He's not affected by our time. God is eternal. He doesn't work in our time frame. That's what He's saying there. Praise the Lord He didn't come back prior to 2001. You know why? Because I was not a believer in Christ. I was just like these mockers who mocked God and made fun of the Christians. And if He had came back in before 2001, before I came to be a believer in Jesus Christ, I would have perished and been eternally separated. So praise God He didn't come back then. Praise the Lord that He hasn't come back in the last few years. My mother and father would have never made it. Praise God that He hasn't come back in the two years since I arrived in City Lake as I've seen dozens of people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ since my arrival here. 
If Jesus were to come back like that, many souls would be separated from God. And praise the Lord, He hasn't come back right this very second. Because there may have been some here that have never professed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And they wouldn't be ready for Him to burst through those clouds. They wouldn't be ready to see their Lord face to face. And while the Lord is not slow about His promise, He is coming back. It may very well be today. It very well may be before 12 o'clock. Could be in the next 10 years. Could be in the next 100 years. Could be in the next 1,000 years. I have no idea. The fact is, you are going there or He is coming here, it really makes no difference. The question is, are we ready to stand before a holy and righteous God and look Him in the face without any misunderstanding about where we are spiritually. Because when He comes, it will be too late to make a decision. God has been patient toward you. He's been patient toward me and to all of those that have been saved. And His great mercy and His patience has waited. And we need to be thankful for that. Not question why He hasn't come back yet. Let the mockers mock that He's not come back. Praise God. You know why? Because He died on the cross for those mockers as well. And maybe in His grace, maybe in His time, maybe in His sovereignty, He will bring those mockers to Himself and they themselves will become preachers of righteousness like Noah. Don't miss that God is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This morning you can put that in your theological bank. God wishes that all would come to repentance, that none would be destroyed. That's the heart of the God we worship. And that's why He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, that today you might have life. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next year, but today is the day of salvation. Wait no more, because today might be it. Listen, this morning it's vital for, for you to understand that the cross of Christ is sufficient for every single soul, mockers, false teachers, in every single person. But it's only efficient to those who believe, those who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, those who will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. And Peter knows that the future is coming. The second return of Jesus is on its way. And when that day comes, it will be over. Too late. The deal is done. The names are in the Lamb's book of life. No more will enter into the kingdom of God. But I tell you today, enter by the narrow gate, not the wide road that leads to destruction. He wants to save you and He has made a way to save you he has made a way to make you right and holy before God. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And so when God sees us Christians, He sees us as holy and righteous because He doesn't see me, He sees Christ. For I have been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And so Christ has made a way that you might be made right before God because... 
Whether we admit it or not, we're all sinners. And the Bible says we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark. And Jesus died, and He took your place, and there on Calvary He said to Telestai, it is finished, it's paid in full. There's nothing you need to do. There's no work that needs to accomplish. You don't need to be baptized. That's a good thing. Baptism's good. But it's not a part of salvation. You don't need to do any works. You don't have to live the perfect life. All you have to do is take upon the cross in which Jesus died for you and say, I believe in the work that you did to cover my sin." And that's what He wants each one of us to do today. He's been patient towards us all. And so the question is, would you believe in Him today? He desires for each one of us to put our faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 10 says, But the Lord, the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. We can own everything in this world. We can have the nicest houses, the nicest cars. We can have whatever we want, but it will be burned up. The question is, do we have, like in the song, living water? Do we have water that we can take once and always have? Because everything in this earth will be burned up in His works. And the Bible says that He will come like a thief in the night. A thief doesn't call you on the telephone and say, Hey brother, I'm coming to your house tonight, you better be ready. At least he's not a good thief if he does that. You know, as I thought about it, a good thief doesn't go to a place where he's got a dog either. Especially some of these dogs I see at the post office, they will eat your head off. And a good thief don't go to a place where people's got guns. They come unexpected in the night. When you least expect it, that will become the coming of Christ. Will you be prepared for that day when He comes? Peter's trying to get across. We will not know that day nor that hour of His return, but you can bank on it. He's coming like a thief in the night. And they will mock you. They will say, oh, you're waiting on your Jesus. You'd have a better chance of ending up in Narnia than Jesus showing up. They mocked Noah in his day. And he looked and he said, hey, the rains are coming. And I'm building a boat. And you can be saved if you just get in the boat. If you just get in the boat. And it's a type of Christ. And this pastor this morning is telling you, God is coming back. Jesus Christ is coming back to judge the living and the dead. And you need to get in the boat. And you need to be sealed in Jesus Christ. Are you ready this morning? We are told in the present that He's coming and the future holds His return and Peter wants us to know that. Don't be dumb on purpose. Know the past. Understand the present and be warned about the future. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Let us pray.